Hello, it's Akuya Fuye here and welcome to our first official podcast. It's very exciting to be launching the African-Australian Story Podcast. As we're launching at the beginning of July and it is heading into NAIDOC week, we wanted to focus our first podcast on an African-Australian story that really goes to the roots and hearts of where this country is. So our first podcast guest is Aminata Duop. Aminata is an Australian of Indigenous heritage. Her mother is from the Torres Strait Islands and her father is Senegalese. So we were very interested to talk to her about what her African-Australian story is. And as I discovered throughout our conversation, it is a label that she feels doesn't quite define her and is an interesting reason why. So I hope you enjoy our very first podcast and our conversation with Aminata. She was quite illuminating. Through a comedy of errors, Aminata and I ended up recording this podcast in a car on top of Tuong Shopping Center. Sometimes it was good and sometimes it was not so good. So it's a little bit echoey and our apologies for that. But hopefully you can get beyond the sound to really listen to the conversation and enjoy it and find something out of it. My name is Aminata and this is my African-Australian story. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is that, as you know, I am talking about what is the African-Australian story. And you literally are African and Australian in terms of your cultural heritage. So when I say to you, what is your African-Australian story? What is your African-Australian story? Where do I start? (laughs) Well, I was born in Brisbane and... I think I grew up more in my Indigenous side than my African side. Mm. I I grew up still around a lot of um, West Africans, but generally I didn't know too much about my culture uh, because it's just my dad that's here. I don't have any other African relatives except him and obviously my brother. Generally, I've just grown up with um, just knowing all about my Torres Strait Islander culture and knowing the language and stuff like that. Uh, So I've been a bit distant from the African side, but I feel very connected to it. Like I have a very, very strong connection to Africa and I always want to go home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you say you feel connected to it, for you, what does that mean? What is that connection you have? I think just knowing that I have family there and they're the people that have raised my dad and my dad's just my favourite person. (laughs) So (laughs) I've always wanted to meet them so much and I'm named after my grandmother her name's Aminata Dibba so I've got her full name means the loved one (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've just always wanted to go home like I call it home because it here is home I'm indigenous but at the same time I don't feel at home like there's this other half of me that is somewhere else which is in Senegal so yeah that's sort of the connection that I have Um, with wanting to go back and feeling that strong connection with Senegal, yeah. Do you think it's a little bit like, you know, you hear some people who maybe because they were adopted or something like that and they feel like a little bit of them is missing or they don't have a whole picture of who they are. Is that a bit like that? Yeah, definitely. I think it's easier when you grow up, at least if you grow away from your your home country, it's easier if you have a community of your people around you. But Given that there aren't any really any other Senegalese people in Brisbane, I haven't even met really another one <laughs> that is from Brisbane. It makes it harder to feel that sense of belonging. So you definitely do feel like a part of you is missing because that that community is not there. So I'll probably go back a little bit. How did your parents meet 
I met uh, in Sydney at a fundraiser. I know my dad said he applied for two visas, Canada and Australia, and he said whichever one comes first, he'll take. So he ended up here. Yeah. yeah. And then they met and they obviously fell in love and got married? Or? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so they've said. <laughs> and so were you raised by both your parents? Yes, raised by both of them, yeah. Are they still together? Uh, no, not anymore. Okay. No. Yeah. So how long were you, the three of you or the, your family together before... Oh, a good, I think, 21 years. And you said at the beginning your father is your favorite person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me straight, why is that? Oh, he's just awesome. Like, he just, he's just always listens to me like my words are, like, coming from the Prime Minister or something. Like, he just listens like I'm so important, even since I was a kid. And just very supportive, always there to help me whenever I need help. And, yeah, just remember as a kid helping me with homework for hours and things like that. And, yeah, he's just a really great, humble person. And um, I just, I'd love to be like him when I grow up. I am growing up, but <laughs> as I grow. Yeah. yeah. What does he do as a job? He was doing carpentry before, but I think he's just working in a factory at the moment. Mm -hmm. So he's in Sydney, so I don't get to see him. Yeah. Mm. So I miss him. So did you get any of the, almost like discipline or mm. any type of rules or mannerisms around the house that you felt were African because the next door neighbor was, kid wasn't getting yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, my dad was pretty strict. He was very fair though, I will give him. So if I did something wrong, you, you knew that you deserved that because <laughs> he would only do it to be fair. So tell me about your mother. Yeah, she's she's awesome. She's very inspirational. She's um, she's the first Torres Islander to receive a PhD at the University of Queensland. Yeah. Oh, well, you kept that one quiet. <laughs> Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. You what? Criminal justice. Oh. Yeah. So she went around the world and um, uh, I think so she went to New Zealand and um, uh, America and looked at the Native Americans there and the um, uh, the Maori people, yeah, in New Zealand and sort of, I think, did a comparative study on Indigenous people there, here and um, New Zealand. Um, I think to do with like healing injustice and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, sorry, I can't explain that well. She tries to explain to me, but it's just, yeah. That's great. And what does she do now? At the moment, she has her own company. So she started her own company a few years ago, and she's currently organising um, the Wealth First Nations Traditional Knowledge Conference. So that's what she's doing at the moment, just planning that mm -hmm. and getting all the speakers ready and things like that. Great. And tell me about, you say you had a brother, tell me about the rest of your family. Oh yeah, so my brother, he he plays basketball, so he plays for Mackay. He went over to the States and was playing for Colorado, just like uh, in um, college. Uh, and then he went to Seattle University and played for Seattle. Uh, and he had a picture, he had his picture on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so he's back now, he graduated and uh, yeah, just playing in Mackay and working at a primary school. You have a very impressive family. Yeah, Tell me a bit more about yourself in terms of what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Pretty much just working. <laughs> Where do you work? Um, I work at the uh, University of Queensland and I study there as well. So I'm, my life is on campus. <laughs> yeah, there on the weekends and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, um, I like artwork. So I never find the time to do it, but I'm always wanting to do it I always have it out ready to do it and then I just don't do it I like to have a long time like a 
I, I don't like starting projects unless I know I have a good week or two to do it, and that mm. never happens. <laughs> so I'm hoping this holidays to do some artwork and um, yeah. What kind of art? Oh, it's like a mix. So it's kind of like indigenous art with sort of like an African <laughs> vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I draw a lot of like sort of girls with afros and things like that and I do like the dot paintings and things like mm-hmm. that yeah so you bring in a bit of the African yeah. and the Australian together <laughs> in your artwork them. that's it what do you love about art it's therapeutic it's just really relaxing I just feel good when I'm doing it and I just play some music and I'm just not thinking about anything and it's just fun yeah it's just fun and I like expressing myself through that and you can create whatever you want and it's always different each time and that's really I think that's really cool for you I guess you could do art about anything I guess it's obvious that you would do it around your your heritage mm. but do you do that specifically or is it just the inspiration around you so that's what inspires you yeah I think I don't really think of what I'm going to create I just sort of do it and then see how it goes in the end or I see some sort of images online and think like oh that would be really cool to paint and I just mix it with other things mm-hmm. yeah okay that's fantastic you were saying that in the last couple of years you've really sort of connected at least in Brisbane to your the African community here how has that been it's been very good especially finding like African female friends that I can connect with and stuff because I didn't really have that much like African friends when I was going through school the neighborhoods that I went to was predominantly white which wasn't a bad thing but sometimes you can just feel sort of like the odd one out (laughs) so it's nice to have other people to talk to like about our hair and like what products to use and about our skin and just things like that just little things that I didn't think mattered, but then actually being able to connect with them, I can see, oh, this is really good, and the support network and stuff is great. Mm. Yeah. Now, tell me about your Torres Strait Islander heritage. What would you like to know? <laughs> I, I would like to know whatever you would like to tell me. A lot of people probably don't know, you know, some of the cultural practices. So mm. where is your, your cultural heritage from? Which part of the TR are you from? Okay. How was that infused in how you grow up? Both from the African perspective and from the TR perspective. Mm-hmm. What are the elements of the cultural practices, um, the heritage that you grew up with? Well, the Torres Strait is made up of um, quite a lot of islands. So... I'm from, uh, my family's from Badu Island, um, Erub Island, and uh, I think Mer. They're a very sort of community type people. I find they're similar with Africans in terms of family and kinship and stuff like that. So when you're, for example, um, growing up in your day to day, what are some of the things that you would do because you were from a Torres Strait Islander background or um, a Senegalese background that the next kid next door, because they were, you know, white Anglo-Saxon may not be doing? Or did you have a very authentic Australian experience? Not really. It's kind of an odd one because growing up, I guess, on the mainland, like away from the island, I think, it, well, it's not the same as growing up as an islander who lived on the island. So mm-hmm. obviously there's some sort of traditions and things I don't think that would make you do. Same with on my dad's side. He was pretty relaxed and lenient. I think probably the biggest thing was probably just food. Like... <laughs> We always had our, you know, our own Torres Strait Islander food and our um, Senegalese food. I mean, we had a lot of, like, Torres Strait Islander events on, like Coming of the Light on July 1, which is actually coming up soon. So I always attended Torres Strait Islander functions and got to, like, witness all the dancing and the cultures and the weaving and things like that. And my grandma would 
teach me how to weave like coconut leaves mm. yeah so like just making baskets and like little balls and hats and things like that actually last Christmas she was showing us how to make coconut milk <laughs> yeah so we scraped the coconut well we we cut it in half and then we scraped the coconut on um, this blade there's an island name for it that I just don't remember <laughs> um, but we scraped that for about oh, maybe 40 minutes and then we squeezed the um, the shredded coconut and then that made the milk and then we added water to it and squeezed it again and put it in some rice and some pumpkin it was really good <laughs> yeah so I'm sort of learning a lot about my Trashed Islander culture as well even though um, I grew up around a lot of them here there's still a lot that I don't know just mm. being away from the mm. islands there's mm. quite a difference in mm. especially in terms of language like I can understand it very well but I don't necessarily speak it mm. yeah because mm. I feel like I'm not the best <laughs> so I just stay quiet yeah yeah from the African perspective so you've grown up mainly with your father as the African influence mm. in your life and you're recently connecting with the broader community what are some of the cultural practices whether it's Senegalese culture or broader sort of African culture if there is such a thing mm. that you are really sort of resonates with you I think probably just the way Africans look after one another in terms of like say family wise all your extended family is basically your immediate family you've known someone for five years or whatever that's basically your cousin now um <laughs> like all the Africans that I grew up with they are like I'm not related to them but they're practically my family and I really like that aspect of African culture in general being someone who is in, um, has quite dark skin, where do people think you come from, at least physically, when they see you? Always African first. I think only twice in my life has someone asked me, are you Torres Strait Islander? That's oh. for the first time, and I feel, like, happy when they say that. <laughs> Not because I don't like always being identified as African, but it's nice that someone else could recognise the Indigenous in me, I guess. Mm. <laughs> but, um... Sorry, what was the question? No, it was just, yeah, like, you know, physically, you know, uh, how yeah. are you, I guess, identified as? Yeah, yeah so probably um, I generally get Sudanese and I've had Ethiopian. Um, no one ever guesses Senegal. I get Nigerian, <laughs> sometimes Ghana, sometimes as well. <laughs> you should be so lucky with yeah. Ghana. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, but no one can ever guess or even when I say Senegal, some people don't know where that is. I have to explain yeah, okay. so I'm constantly explaining myself. <laughs> yeah. So heading back to the question of identity, how do you define yourself as a person? I, I wouldn't identify myself as Australian or probably African-Australian just because what does Australian mean? I think Australian is made up of many different cultures, but I don't feel that the flag represents everyone. And it, I don't think it represents Indigenous people. That's my, my opinion. I can't speak for all Indigenous people. But I know a lot of Indigenous people that wouldn't necessarily identify as Australian. So me being from here and then also being, like, not from here, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call myself Australian or identify as African-Australian. But I would say to people that I'm, you know, Indigenous and African or Torres Strait Islander and African or... Senegal to be specific yeah that's so interesting so yeah. you it's funny you, you you don't call yourself an African Australian you call yourself indigenous and Senegalese African yeah. Yeah. and is there 
African, Austra- let's say indigenous Australian or indigenous end, is the end important to you? Because I'm interested in words and how we use it in our daily life. So indigenous and Australian and indigenous Australian? Yeah, is, is there a difference um, for you? No, I don't think so. Maybe unless you're indigenous and you're Australian. <laughs> That's very confusing. Yeah. Or indigenous but, African or indigenous and African. I would say in, indigenous and African, I think. Okay. Yeah. And so for you, it's like two parts of you which are equal in yeah. weight and in... Yeah, yeah definitely. I mm. love them equally. I'm so happy and proud to be a part of both cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's shaped me who I am today. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Being someone who is a migrant, I call myself an African Australian, I guess, because I've lived here for a long time mm. and I feel like I have equal connections to the country. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting as someone who ha- w- was born here and I literally has 14,000 plus years of connection <laughs> to the country. But you're, you're saying that your connection is more with, I guess, the heritage than the idea of the country? Definitely. I think because... Ever since I was a child, I always have to explain to people who I am. I'm never just considered Australian. I'm always asked, you know, I'll say I'm from here. No, where are you really from? And then I have to explain, even though I'm half Indigenous and I am from here, I still have to explain myself to people. And so that's just kind of made me not really want to identify as Australian. Not even just because of what people ask, but it just, yeah, I just... The flag doesn't represent me or, Mm. I think, yeah, my people, so I can't really identify with it. Is it just the flag or is there anything else in the community or in our society? I think Australia has multiple identities. They have so many different flags. I mean, we have two Indigenous flags already and we have, like, the Union Jack and I think that green kangaroo or whatever (laughs) it is. Or, like, we go to the Olympics and we're wearing green and gold but our colours are blue and white. Like, I think Australia is quite a new nation and I don't feel like they really have a proper identity yet, like a unified one. I think it just represents and people's... Um, perception of Australia they just have a one image of like an Anglo-Saxon person even the indigenous people uh, people don't necessarily think of indigenous people when they think of Australia they're not the first people that comes to mind even though they were here first Mm -hmm. so yeah that's why I think Australia is still sort of learning and yeah will hopefully grow and then I can identify as being in Australia. I want to take you back to something you said a couple of of answers ago. And you said that even though you were born here, even though half your heritage is deeply rooted in the Australian history for thousands of years, because of how you physically look, you are physically dark. You are as dark as I am, and I'm pretty dark. (laughs) I am your classic West African. Um, People automatically, when they see you, assume that you are not Australian and you are not from here or you were not born here. Talk me through that experience and especially how does that make you feel? (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, I know who I am and I know where I come from. So I wouldn't say it bothers me that much until someone opens their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So I think just silly things that people will say like, oh, you don't have an accent or things like, oh, you talk really well. How long have you been here? And things like that. Um, even from my own teachers and things like that, just, just odd little comments, those sort of things annoy me. But otherwise, just in my day-to-day life, I don't really um, think about it too much, I guess, until someone opens their mouth. But I think that's just uh, it, it's just a perception that Australians have that, well, if you're not 
Anglo-Saxon, you have white skin, then you're obviously not from here unless you physically look Aboriginal. Um, like the stereotypical image of what an Aboriginal person looks like. What people don't understand is that you don't necessarily have to look something to be something. Even just being mixed, people assume, people think being mixed is, well, you're going to have curly hair and tan skin and green eyes or something. Well, I'm mixed and I'm dark and I have Afro hair and stuff like that, but I'm from two completely different places. So I think that's just a, it's just a general thing that, not even just Australians, but I think worldwide people just think like that. Yeah. So how would you, um, first of all, is the colour of your skin important to you? I love my skin. And I always have, well, <laughs> <laughs> let's say from maybe since I was about nine or ten or something like that. But yeah, I've always loved my skin and it is a, a big part of my identity, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Being a Torres Strait Islander, and at least physically in some respect, almost resembling um, Africans. Do you find that, whether it's your personal experience or the experience of your TI community, do you find that people see Indigenous TI people and assume they're not Australians? It's funny, but some Australians don't even know what the Torres Strait Islands are. So when I tell them that I'm Torres Strait Islander, they, they don't know that that's Indigenous and that I'm from here, so I find myself explaining that. I guess it comes to the idea of belonging. Do you feel like how you physically look mm. means that you slash your community mm. is perceived as not being from here and therefore not belonging to here? Yeah. Well, going back to what I said, I think um, because a lot of people don't know where the Torres Strait Islands are, they may not think that we're from Australia. If they just view us, you know, walking on the street, they may confuse us with being Papua New Guinean because we look similar to them. I mean, we're you know, one of the same people. Mm. Even if I looked more Torres Strait Islander, um, I would still be perceived as not being from here anyway. So mm. it wouldn't really make a difference. Just having black skin and Afro hair is an automatic, you're not from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so for you, where do you feel like you belong? Multiple places. <laughs> probably, I love Brisbane. Like, Brisbane's home. I would probably always come back here, I think. I love the Torres Strait. I've only been to Thursday Island and a couple of small surrounding islands and um, it's beautiful up there that's home to me as well uh, and definitely Senegal like I want to move there one day like when I finish um, uni <laughs> not for good but just to like check it out and you know um, get to meet my family and stuff like that so that's also home to me and I refer to it as home so I refer to multiple places as home. And what are the plans to go to Senegal like in the next couple of years? Yeah so well, I don't want to say when I'm going to graduate, <laughs> just in case I don't, but hopefully 2018. <laughs> um, and I would like to stay there for a year and mm. just um, find some work there. And um, yeah. And do you regularly talk to your family back in Senegal? Um, no, because unfortunately my dad didn't teach me his language, so I don't know French or Wolof, just my basic words. And only a few of them know English and it's not very um, strong. So... I've only spoken to, I think, two members of his family maybe once or twice in my life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's sort of that disconnection there, but, yeah, still got strong love for them and stuff. So, yeah. In your mind, what is your perception of Senegal or Senegalese people or the specific ethnic group your father belongs to? Well, based off what my dad told me about Senegal, I think it's beautiful and um, just seeing pictures and videos and also his pictures from when he came back and of the family and his friends and stuff like that. 
it just sounds like a, a beautiful way that he was raised and um, and brought up. I think he even had it a bit better growing up than my mum would have in Australia in the Torres Strait. So there's sort of that different perceptions of what you know someone else would think Australia is a first world country, and then um, perhaps my dad had a not so good upbringing because of the stereotypes about Africa, but it's not like that. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think it would be beautiful, and I think the people would be the same as well. Yeah, just with the dancing that I've seen and the drumming and the music and stuff like that. Very authentic and just, yeah, beautiful. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation and thank you so much again Aminata for giving us your time and sharing your African-Australian story or perhaps shall I say your indigenous African story with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please take the time to give us a rating or a review on iTunes. It really helps others to find the podcast and also gives us really good feedback about how the podcast is going. Now I know it's only been our first one but we would still like to hear from you. You can discover our stories at africanaustralianstory.com and subscribe to our email blast. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at African O Story. That's African OZ Story. Our opening and closing theme is courtesy of Russell Chinurai. He is the African street musician in South Bank, Brisbane. So please drop some money in his bowl next time you walk past. You can find him on Facebook at Russell Street Music. That's Russell with one L. Thank you very much and we look forward to bringing you more interesting African-Australian stories.